Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. It is December 30th. We are moving into the new year. And boy, I tell you what, 2020, can we just say goodbye? Can we just say see you later? It's been, I mean, let's be honest, it has been a rough year. Here's the good news. 2021 is just around the corner now. Hey, look, you know, who knows exactly what's going to happen. So, uh, you know, check back with me in December of 2021 and uh, we'll have that discussion. But uh, this show is going to be all about looking back at 2020 and see exactly what some of the big stories were and get some uh, key insight from some of our key reporters here at JustTheNews.com. Let's begin with... Uh, I don't know, the, the key guy? I'm going to call you the key guy, John uh, Solomon. Have you ever, you've been called worse, I'm yes, sure. Yes, I've been called worse, for sure, <laughs> even this morning, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right, John, uh, talk to me and take me through some of the big stories of 2020. There's so many to choose oh from, but, but you've got year. kind of a wheelhouse. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, people want to have a rearview mirror in their car. This, is, this year they may take that rearview mirror down when we're done with the year, but um, I, I think there are four that stand out to me, one very personal because of my own reporting, mm -hmm. and three that I think uh, for different reasons have long-term global impact. So let me start with the one that people probably aren't going to talk the most about, but to me it's very important. And we began uh, 2020, people may forget this before COVID, with an impeachment trial in the Senate. That feels like a slow news day, by the way. It, it does now. I mean, that would be like back page news. Um, uh, but we, we, we began an impeachment trial. The president was acquitted, but the essence of the trial was there was no reason for Donald Trump to ask for an investigation of Hunter Biden or Joe Biden with things that went on in Ukraine. A year goes by. What a year a difference uh, has made. You know, we, we now have Hunter Biden under criminal investigation. We have a declaration by the United States Senate that what Joe Biden and Hunter Biden did in Ukraine and other places created a conflict of interest. Even State Department officials have testified to that. And uh, you have a, a remarkable report that came out just before the election that said that the Biden family was potentially in jeopardy of blackmail, extortion, because of all the things that Hunter Biden was doing below the radar that we didn't know. Mm -hmm. So we started from a, there was nothing there there and the media laughing it off. Mm -hmm. and, and we ended it with the media saying, oh my God, the, the guy who may be the next president, his son could be indicted for tax or other offenses. Mm -hmm. I, I think that boomerang uh, de defines the whole year for me personally. Mm -hmm. And of course, I did a lot of reporting on that. And it's been fascinating to watch the narrative change in the media from it's a conspiracy theory to there's some really serious stuff here we need to, to pay attention to. And you took a lot of slings and arrows for that. And you, I you did, stood yeah. by every single time saying, look, he, the dig in portion of justthenews.com. Here, here it is. Just folks. read it. Yeah. Just read it. The facts are there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, one of the great things about the era we live in with cancel culture and, and the political venom that's around town is yeah. facts will last longer than the venom. And so if you stick to the facts and you just remind people, hey, it's not about attacking Joe Biden or helping Joe Biden. It's just about understanding the facts mm -hmm. for the story. Usually over time you prevail. And I think that's what we tried to do. Well, and the great suppression is what I'm calling it by the mainstream media oh, on yeah. so many different stories. But the social media, like the yeah, the suppression. great suppression. We're living yeah. through the great suppression with on social media, what they did on that Hunter Biden story, when that New York Post story at yeah, one point, where hard your, drive. Stu your stuff is being always like flagged for, you know, but yeah. give me a break. Yeah, no, it turned out all to be true. All and, you know, true. we had Jack uh, Dorsey and others say after, oh, it was a mistake after the election, big to say it after the election. It took the courage before the election to trust that those were facts. And not there. And, you know, we had people before the election, media reporters, mm -hmm. saying this is Russian disinformation. You had the director of national intelligence saying it's not Russian disinformation. And then as soon as the election's over and Joe Biden is in the, in the lead with the voting, what happens? All of the reporters come back and say, oh, everything on the hard drive is legit. Let's start reporting on it. 
really a remarkable event. Yeah, and, and let's move into another subject that I know uh, that you want to talk about uh, in terms of the big stories. Obviously, the election uh, fraud, oh, yeah. the allegations, sure. the, uh, the irregularities that are out there. And boy, talk about the Great Suppression. Once again, I mean, look, f set aside for a moment this idea of whether or not all of this is, is going to uh, prove uh, true or not. Right. How about just, you know, go win a Pulitzer? I mean, where, where's the media on all of this? Curiosity. I mean, it's just been it. lack of it. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know what? An election official told us this in Georgia, and we're going to call it a day, and that's the end of the story. Yeah. What is no, that? Uh, well, we've seen it time and again. Early on, we saw it with the Russia collusion story. We saw it early on with Ukraine under Biden. We saw it with stories like, remember the story, middle of the summer, the Russians had bounties on, on American soldiers' head, and Trump ignored it, and it turns out, well, that wasn't really the intelligence. It was uncorroborated mm -hmm. intelligence. Uh, the media is too often willing to start uh, stop at the first headline and not dig. And I think on election stuff, I've read over a thousand affidavits now, a thousand affidavits mm -hmm. from everyday Americans who were poll observers, election workers. I still think of Jesse Jacob, the woman in Detroit. She stands in my head. She's a Democrat, worked for 32 years in the city of Detroit, uh, probably wasn't a Trump supporter at all, and just right. said, listen, what I was being asked to do isn't right. We shouldn't do this in American election. She's an Indian immigrant, by the way, from India. She loves America, and she doesn't want to see democracy corrupted. No reporters show interest in that. I think election integrity is going to carry into 2021, mm -hmm. whether no matter how Trump v. Biden ultimately ends up. I think the questions of should we be jettisoning election reservers, should we have ballot box stuffing, should we have uh, correction of ballots by people without contacting the voter, mm -hmm. all those questions are going to continue to, in 2021. So hopefully we get 22 2022 election ballots a little bit better than this last time. For sure. What else is uh, uh, sticking out to you in this in this year? John? There's one big obvious one, COVID, and we'll come back to that at the sure. end because I think it, it defines the year. But I'm going to pick one that most reporters may not talk about in their year-end okay. list. But I think from when you look at global history, it may have some of the biggest impact coming out of 2020. Mm -hmm. It's the uh, decision by the Trump administration to go all in on a peace deal and put together these regional peace deals where United Arab Emirates and Israel are now doing commerce and recognizing each other. And Sudan and several other countries have come to the table. Mm -hmm. I think Saudi Arabia probably is not that far behind in the new year could happen. Um, these um, deals were short-term headlines. Mm -hmm. They have long-term consequences in the most volatile region in uh, the world. And I think a lot of people aren't paying attention to it, but it's the big story for one of the big stories to come out of 2020. You wonder how many uh, what uh, Donald Trump's legacy will be. And of course, <clears throat> historians will write that in, in future generations. That's right. But but, but I, I think for sure, other than obviously judges, the Supreme Court, but the, the Mideast peace accords, huge, huge. They are. Deal. And they didn't get a lot of attention. They kind of fell in the middle of the election craziness. Right. And <clears throat> but their import to the region. When you talk to people in the region, Israelis and Palestinians and Arabs and the Gulf states, mm -hmm. this is the most exciting thing they've seen happen in a long time. And the difference in the story is that we always were shooting for this global deal. Mm -hmm. Everybody had to come to the table at once. It would solve all the problems. And, you know, really great efforts by Bill Clinton with Arafat and other They happened, mm -hmm. but they never resulted in anything. And so Trump went small, the opposite of Donald Trump. You think he goes for a big deal. He did a series of small regional Peace deals. And it moved the whole region forward. And once the dam broke, once the ice broke and people started talking to each other, you know, one country comes in, another country comes in. I think that continues even if Joe Biden is president after January 20th. Mm -hmm. I remember going to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, on his first trip. I was there with no him. No kidding. Yeah, well, and it was his first overseas trip. Right? And the full circle of Saudi Arabia at the beginning, the peace deal with the Middle East there, countries yeah. at the end. And Fascinating. Maybe come back at the end to, to finish with that one. We'll hey, see. Yeah, that, that, that would be so good. A lot of people are talking about it. Let's see if it happens. That's interesting. All yeah. right, so COVID. Uh, let's talk about that. I, how can we not? 
Yeah, no, listen, it, it defined the year. It defined the American experience. It defined the election. It defined uh, our economy. Uh, but I think the greatest struggle that we will come out of this, and I was reminded of this with a Just the News poll the other day, a large majority of Americans fear that the restrictions that were placed on us during COVID to stop the spread of the virus will continue on after the pandemic is gone. So at the end of the day, when I step back beyond you know, the economic ruin, the personal sacrifices, the personal losses that families and people suffered, which are enormous, um, this struggle between America, the free, the liberty, the give me death or give me, you know, give me freedom, give me death, give me liberty, give me death. Mm -hmm. um, that battle is going to play out into 2021. And I think people will look at things that a Biden administration or a Gavin Newsom administration or others are going to try to impose and say, we're tired of this restrictions. We want freedom. Mm -hmm. I think that even when the pandemic's under control and it will eventually get under control, I think that struggle between freedom, religious freedom, personal freedom and the government, a uh, long arm reach of government is going to play out in a big way. This left such a scar, very much like 9-11 did. Okay. We never felt the same safe. I think this tension between liberty and the state's powers is going to play out in ways big and small all throughout 2021, and I think for the whole decade. Well, and, and it's put a, a eye, a real important eye, uh, from a public uh, standpoint, on the Constitution. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, this, this, this uh, tug of war, if you will, between, yeah. you know, protecting public health and protecting our civil liberties, and at the same time, even with election, with, with the election, what's happening? You know, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about insurrection acts, and we're talking about Article 2, Section 1, Clause it's 2. It's hard I mean, to imagine, It's just right? fascinating yeah. that the, yeah. the Constitution really has been... It came back in vogue, and, you know, I'm mm -hmm. reminded, I remember late on Thanksgiving night, so about a month and a half ago, yeah. I was at the, all of a sudden I saw the Supreme Court ruling pop up. And when you look at the ruling that they made in the New York case against Governor Cuomo, mm -hmm. saying, hey, you can't restrict religious freedom just because there's a pandemic, this idea that the Constitution can't be set aside, even in the most uh, dreadful of times, uh, I think that that echoes with me. I, I, I read that ruling, I think it was Gorsuch in his yeah. uh, uh, concurring opinion, basically saying the, the great thing about America, even when we're under stress, we don't abandon our Constitution. And I think uh, this whole pandemic has brought the Constitution to the forefront of a lot of people. We're talking about it. Hopefully we continue to honor it. Yeah, I just wonder where this is going because you're right. I, I think the, the danger is, you know, for example, with the vaccines, you know, we're going to be talking about mandates. Yeah. How do you mandate? Who mandates? Uh, in what environments do you, do you mandate? Card? Is, is your vaccine your Hester print card? We don't know. There's a lot of different things about it. I'll tell you one story I'm going to be watching because yeah. it will be the ultimate uh, sign of how uh, much this story may have boomerang. There is a nascent recall effort against Gavin Newsom in California. Mm. It's really driven by his conduct uh, in the COVID, his mm -hmm. restrictions, uh, his going out to a party and doing things he was prohibiting other people to the hypocrisy angle. If that were to succeed in the most liberal state in America, mm -hmm. California, mm -hmm. it may send a shockwave through America that, hey, we do want to be safe, but we're not willing to sacrifice all our freedoms. Like I'm going to watch that story in 2021. Yeah, because that, my understanding is that petition drive is, is really growing. They've got quite a few signatures, and I know they have a Up March over deadline. A million. I that, had right? uh, Shannon um, Grove, Grove the, yeah. a Republican Senate leader, on our show just a week or so ago. Yeah. They're up over a million, and they still have three months to go. They only need 1.6 million. They could make it. Be the second governor in the history of California, Gray Davis being the first to be recalled. John, John Solomon, great to see you, sir. Great to be with you, David. Thanks. Ha and congratulations on your show. I, the fifth, I'm going to pick the fifth thing, the start yeah. of your show. Oh, please. That's the big thing in 2020. All right. Can we put, <laughs> you know, we're going to move that right to first. Yeah, let's is, rewind is, we, that, put okay. it top of the show. Forget COVID and all that. Our Constitution. <laughs> exactly. Ah, That's exactly right. Thanks, John. Thanks, David. It. All right. Uh, when we come back, Kara Sheffield with her, uh, her thoughts about 2020 and the big stories that she saw this year. We're back in a moment. 
Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. It is our holiday, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, uh, all of that. It's the holiday special. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's an extravaganza. We had John Solomon on earlier talking about his big stories of the year and uh, the show would be uh, just absent of a, a lot of good content if we didn't bring on our, our next guest. That's right, she's a guest, but she's the anchor of Just the News AM. So how does she pull that off, being an anchor and a guest at the same, same time? Uh, Carrie Sheffield uh, joining us now here on the, the big holiday show. Uh, Carrie, good to see you. Hey, good to see you. It's all about cloning, don't you know? <laughs> it is about cloning, which is another segment. I'm sure it ought to be a segment on your show. Uh, all right, so give us some of your top stories. I, you know, there's so many stories that people are talking about overall. We know the list of big stories in 2020, but, but some of the interviews you've done have been really, really not just uh, trend-setting, but important stories, especially as it relates to uh, Hong Kong and uh, a dissident there you spoke to, not too happy with the Vatican and the Catholic Church. Absolutely. So Jimmy Lai is a billionaire. He founded a media company that went viral in Hong Kong. He's been very successful, but he's gotten the the notice of the Chinese government, and the Chinese government has tried to repress him. And he's a devout Catholic, and Jimmy Lai was upset with the Catholic Church because he says basically they're making a deal with the devil. He says that it's basically the opposite of John Paul II, who really fought against communism and fought against what was happening with the Soviets in Russia. And so he takes the Pope to task, and he says, quit signing these deals because he says, you know, you're, 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 you think you're going to be able to have more access as the Catholic Church in China. However, what you're doing is just ceding control to the Communist Party, which has no respect for human life, which has no respect for the unborn. And so he really was calling them out. I was able to get an interview with him from Hong Kong. It's on the other side of the world. And so I had to do it late at night in order to get him early in the morning where he is. I was also able to ask President Trump about the status of Jimmy Lai because Jimmy Lai this year has been in and out of prison. He's been arrested for helping the pro-democracy activists in Hong Kong. This was one of the big stories that the Chinese government, according to these Hong Kong dissidents, has been encroaching. There was a treaty that the British put in place when they left that said that the, the control would be in place, freedom, self-autonomy for the people of Hong Kong until 2050. They're saying that they're breaking this. And so he's been arrested. I was able to talk to President Trump about this. And he said that he thinks that uh, he's a brave man. He said that Jimmy Lai is a brave man. And Jimmy Lai returned the favor. And he said, I think that President Trump has been much more effective in pushing back against what's happening with the freedom fighters in Hong Kong than Biden will be. He's very worried about this and he's anxious about this. Yeah. And so we'll see what happens. But 
uh, this was a big story for us here at Just the News. Well, you know, one of the things I love about Just the News AM and your show is that you take a deep dive on issues that are, are not only important to Americans, but uh, that aren't as covered as much uh, in mainstream media circles. And, and it makes me think of uh, something along the lines of when you interviewed that NASA administrator uh, on your show about all of the exploration going on in space and, and what's going to come of that. As a matter of fact, I was just the news headline saying NASA chief says space abounds in security threats and technological promise. Tell us about that, Carrie, because that was a pretty good interview. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So we had the NASA Administrator, Jim Bridenstine. This is a nonpartisan agency, so this is someone who just cares about space exploration and space technology. He had a lot to say about the future of space. He said there are all kinds of technologies and innovations and experiments that you can only do in a place where there's no gravity like space. So, for example, when it comes to 3D organ printing, uh, immunization, and even fiber optics, he says this uh, the location where you can do tests on these types of things, it's microgravity. And it's in space only. You can't do it physically here on Earth. So it's it's literally above uh, our ways here on Earth. And this is where a lot of the breakthroughs happen. Yeah, it, that, that's a fascinating story for sure. I, I want to move on to a, a couple others uh, in the time we have remaining, uh, specifically about, uh, th this was interesting, about uh, late uh, Justice Scalia's son, uh, who there was a headline on just the news where it says uh, the son there blasts uh, Harris, and we're talking about Kamala Harris, for insinuating Catholic charity, a hate group. This made big headlines this year. Yeah, so Justice Scalia's son is a Catholic priest, uh, and he's in Falls Church, Virginia, is where his parish is. And he gave a sermon in November, and he said this was looking in light of the fact that it looks like we've got a Biden administration coming in. And he basically positioned what he sees as the potential threats to religious liberty in the future Biden administration. He actually specifically mentioned Harris by name, Kamala Harris, the vice president-elect, for what she said during a judicial hearing of a nominee, this judicial nominee and now judge, uh, is a member of the Knights of Columbus, which is a Catholic men's charity group, and she insinuated that it's a hate group. Scalia, he took issue with this. He also took issue with issues of Little Sisters of the Poor. So this is a group, and if you're going after nuns called Little Sisters of the Poor, the politics are always hairy with this. This was a fight that the Obama administration took on to say that these nuns were going to be forced to purchase uh, birth control coverage for their employees. And they said, we don't want to. This violates our religious freedom. President Trump issued an executive order to protect them. And Scalia says he's worried that this is something that Biden's team is going to bring back again and resurrect and he's ready for a fight. Yes, on a separate but related political note, it's interesting that Biden and Kamala Harris, that ticket did very well, much better with Catholics, white Catholics, uh, in the 2020 race than Hillary Clinton did in 2016, especially among in the swing states, which is interesting based on religious liberty issues that, you know, fighting against Little Sisters of the Poor, you mentioned uh, the, the, the hate group there, or the, I say the hate group, what they call a hate group. So uh, interesting. Let me get to the Oregon case. Uh, this is something that made headlines as well. Oregon wants to deny $62 million in COVID relief to residents who aren't black, sparking a lawsuit. Carrie, you wrote about this in December. Talk about that. Yeah, so I think the story really encapsulates kind of the top stories of the whole year. COVID and also race relations. Mm -hmm. So with the death of George Floyd, we saw riots, we saw protests all over the country. A lot of people say this was part of what spurred a lot of the activism that led to the, the mail-in ballot revolution. And then also the COVID issue. So the COVID shutdowns, 
these, uh, the state of Oregon is arguing has disproportionately hit people of color, specifically black people. And there's been a lawsuit about this fund from a Latina woman who has a restaurant and she was trying to tap into this fund because she said, my business was just as affected as a black resident's business would have because of the government shutdowns. Mm -hmm. However, her application was denied and they said that she can't get any government money, this is stimulus money, because she is not black. And so this is in the courts now. We're going to keep following it. Carrie Sheffield, always great to see you. Happy New Year, by the way. Uh, I'll see you next year. Don't you hate when people say that? <laughs> I'll see you next year. I mean, I'm kind of cheesy. I like it. So happy, <laughs> happy New Year, David. See you next year. All right. Carrie Sheffield with Just the News AM. Check out the show. It's really, really good. It's a deep dive on a lot of important issues uh, that the mainstream media just not covering. All right. When we come back, uh, I sat down with President Trump this uh, year. So we'll look back at that interview. It's about a 25-minute interview in the Rose Garden on camera. Wow, what do you know? Uh, we'll play some of that when we come back. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, we move along in this holiday extravaganza of a show, and we want to talk about President Trump and the interview that I did with the president earlier this year. We're kind of looking back. It was a hot day that uh, day. I got to tell you, it was like 93 degrees. It was humid. It was in the Rose Garden. My hair pr protested, uh, but we did the interview anyhow, and here are some of the highlights. President Trump, great to see you again, sir. Thank you very much, David. Where do I even begin? Let's start with Joe Biden. Uh, if Joe Biden gets elected president of the United States, what does that mean for America exactly? Well, I can tell you what it means for your religion. It means choice. It means uh, that you're going to put a radical lefty on the court, and that's going to be the end of uh, uh, pro-life. It won't even have a chance. So that's what it means. Nobody's been more pro As you know, you've heard it many times. I think you might have said it yourself. But uh, nobody has been more pro-life as president than I have. Mm -hmm. I even went to the recent, uh, they had a fantastic thing three blocks away in the park. And I went to it, and I'm the first president that ever went to it. A celebration mm -hmm. of the victories oh, that the we the March for Life, yeah. Between Mexico City, you know what Mexico City is very well. But uh, a lot of your viewers might not. But nobody since Ronald Reagan, and even he was light. His was Mexico City light. Mm -hmm. Mine is Mexico City strong. You know, if, if Biden gets in, he's going to put, he's not going to, look, he's not going to do because Joe is shot. Somebody, whoever's going to be running the party, is going to put radical left judges on the Supreme Court and all over the court system. Mm -hmm. And everything we do, I think I'll have close to 300 judges uh, by the time I uh, finish my first term. Mm -hmm. Hopefully a lot more than that, but it's, it's a record number. And uh, we have pro-life, these are pro-life judges. So, uh, and you look at the Supreme Court, they're pro-life. So we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. We will, uh, I think we're gonna win. I think we're gonna win maybe big because we've done a job like nobody else. You know, we were sailing and then we got hit with the uh, Chinese virus. Mm -hmm. But we were sailing, we were so far up and we were doing very well. And then all of a sudden it was an artificial situation that happened to us and we had to turn it off we had to turn off the economy we did the right thing 
We saved millions of lives, and now we're turning it back on, and we're doing record business. We're doing record jobs. As you know, we were announced last week. We have record uh, retail sales was announced last week. And I think it's going to be a V-shape. A lot of people disagreed with me. Now they're all agreeing with me. But uh, we're doing well. But in terms of religion, yeah. in terms of evangelical, in terms of Christians with or without evangelical, in terms of uh, Jewish, in terms of anything, you're going to have radical left judges appointed. And if you're in favor of pro-life, you can forget it. What do you think of what happened with Neil Gorsuch in the 6-3 decision with the LGBT civil rights? Uh, that was a shock to a lot of folks. I was surprised. I was surprised. Uh, some people felt that it was uh, a decision that they weren't as surprised as I was. Yeah, I was surprised. Mm -hmm. And John Roberts, what do you make? I mean, is he the new Anthony Kennedy or, or potentially worse? Well, so far, we're not doing too well. It says, it says look, we've had a lot of losses. Yeah with a court that was supposed to be in our favor. This is just to show what means. We need, you know, you'll probably have a couple of more judges in the next four years. It could even be more than that. It could be three or four. If you have a radical left group of judges, religion, I think, will be almost wiped out in America, mm. and pro-choice will be gone. Mm. Pro-choice, rather, will be fine. But, but if you look at it, pro-life, will be absolutely wiped out. So if you have that happening, pro-life is going to be out. It's going to be gone. What do you make of the state of the race right now? We've seen polls, even some friendly polls, showing you behind. Do you buy any of that? I don't, because I see so, so much enthusiasm right now. I see so much enthusiasm. And a lot of it, in terms of what you're talking about, has to do with the whole pro-life movement. A lot of it has to do with that. Mm. Uh, but I think we're doing much better than we did in 16. And I think there's actually more enthusiasm than there is in 16. Why do you think that? I just think it. I think mm -hmm. that I, I feel it. Yeah. I mean, I see it. Now, we got hit with this horrible pandemic, but we've done a great job. We came up with testing. Frankly, we test so much that it's almost unfair. You know, when they say cases, we're 25 million tests, and other countries are barely even testing. So when it shows that we have more cases, but a lot of them are ace, well, a lot of them are things that we find. We find things to feed to the press. Because I'm a big fan of testing, but we are at a level that nobody's ever even imagined before, 25 million. We're 20 million higher, approximately, than the next highest nation. So if you're 20 million higher, you're going to find more cases, and then they're going to report, oh, there's more cases. Mm. But in the end, we're doing the right thing. At the Tulsa rally, when the media is hitting you on that, where you said, I, I told my staff, stop the testing. Stop, they're saying, uh, was that tongue-in-cheek or...? or oh, it's semi-tongue-in-cheek. I say it all the time. I, I know some people thought it was tongue-in-cheek. It's unfair. We're doing so much testing, so much more than any other country. And to be honest with you, when you do more testing, you find more cases. Mm -hmm. And then they report our cases are through the roof. But other countries, many countries, don't even test of, with real quality outside of, you know, people that are very sick. So we go out and we test 25 million people, which is a lot. You never thought that was even possible. Most people didn't. And we could go up a lot higher than that, and I guess we are. But I tell my people it's a double-edged sword because we do so much testing. And again, we have kids we, with sniffles, and all of a sudden we report a case, and they're in no danger whatsoever. You know, if you look at the numbers, uh, below 18, very few people are 
affected. The governor of New Jersey, who's a, uh, mm -hmm. a very good guy, but very liberal, that's okay. Right. He was telling me thousands of deaths, and they only had one under 18. Think of it. One young person mm -hmm. who died under the age of 18, with thousands of deaths. So that tells you their immune system or something something is doing well. And the one person did have a medical problem. But just to clear up, there wasn't a direct order, if you will, to staff to stop the testing. No, okay. but, but I, I, think it's, I think we put ourselves at a disadvantage. I told my people. Gotcha. I said, we've gotten so good at testing. Number one, we have the best tests. Number two, we have the most tests. We test much more than any other nation. Mm -hmm. So you hear about all these cases. So instead of doing 25 million tests, let's say we did 10 million tests, mm -hmm. we'd look like we're doing much better because we'd have far few, fewer cases. You understand that? I didn't, I wouldn't do that, but I will say this. We do so much more than other countries. It makes us, in a way, look bad, but actually we're doing the right thing. That is President Donald Trump. Oh, by the way, liberals, he is still president of the United States. I know you're licking your chops January 20th. I get it. But there's a date before January 20th. That's January 6th. And we'll be covering that after the first of the year. We're back in a moment. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. We decided to switch up the set. You know, you never know what you're going to see here on The Water Cooler. Uh, we had President Trump in the last segment. That was, a, I thought, a pretty interesting interview I, I did with him. You like how I pat myself on the back? <laughs> that was a great interview. Way to go. Uh, and here's another uh, great interview that I did. Thank you so much. Uh, with the Vice President from the White House this year. Uh, and we talked specifically about these Middle East peace agreements. Historic in nature. Uh, this interview you're about to see, it runs a few minutes here, uh, where I asked him about the uh, deal with the UAE. That was the first of many of these that have since happened. Have a look. An historic peace accord. W what do you make of it, not just from a news perspective, as everybody wants to talk about the news perspective, but there's a biblical perspective here as well. There are a lot of people of faith who know how precious Israel is, and of course, all countries, but, but Israel has a special place in, in the tapestry of uh, biblical history. David, I call Israel our most cherished ally. And I believe that literally from the founding of this nation, the desire to see the Jewish people restored to their historic homeland was sewn into the hearts of the American people. Mm. They prayed for that day to come, labored for that day to come. And in 1948, it came. Right. And from this White House, uh, it would be... Uh, President Harry Truman that had the United States be the first nation on earth to recognize the Jewish state of Israel. But I, I have to tell you, as a strong supporter of Israel, I, I couldn't be more proud. The leadership President Donald Trump has provided this, brought us to this day. Mm -hmm. I mean, first, he's, he made it clear, if the world understands nothing else, 
they need to understand this. America stands with Israel. It was this president that moved the American embassy to Jerusalem, the capital of the state of Israel. He recognized Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights. Mm -hmm. And we've reaffirmed our strong commitment to Israel as perhaps no other administration in my lifetime. But at the same time, President Trump made his very first trip overseas to go to a capital of the Arab world. He brought together more than 50 nations to form a new alliance to, to, to counter radical Islamic terrorism. And we began to forge relationships yeah. within the Arab world. We've, we've isolated the leading state sponsor of terror in the world, uh, in Iran, like no other time uh, in recent memory. But all along the way, those relationships began to be forged. And one month ago, it would be the United Arab Emirates that for the first time in 26 years became an Arab nation that recognized the Jewish state of Israel and established diplomatic relations. And then just a few short days ago, announced on 9-11, mm -hmm. Bahrain joined the UAE in recognizing Israel. And as the president said today, we believe more Arab nations will join us. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a very real sense, I think President Trump demonstrated that as we stand strongly with Israel, but also stand for peace, that we can see history unfold. Uh, and, and I truly do believe what happened today on the South Lawn of the White House mm -hmm. is the beginning of a new era uh, of peace uh, for Israel, uh, for the wider Arab world. And, um, and it's, uh, it's very humbling for me to be some small part of it. Uh, Mike Pence, uh, my interview with him from earlier this year. I also did an interview with the White House Press Secretary, Kaylee McEnany. A uh, lot of interesting things in that interview, but one, th one particular item stood out. She was talking about Ravi Zacharias, the, the famous uh, evangelical preacher who really touched her heart. Uh, and he passed away this uh, past year. And when I asked her about him, well, the emotions started to flow. I'm going to ask you a personal question about Ravi Zacharias mm -hmm. uh, passing away uh, just in the last 24 hours or so. I know uh, his teachings were so important to you, especially at Oxford. You, you've mentioned this. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what he meant to you personally and, and the loss for the Christian community? Yeah, it's a huge loss. You know, my dad said to me um, that Billy Graham was a great evangelist. Mm -hmm. And I think Ravi Zacharias is the great apologist. Yeah. I know this is tough. I, I know. Yeah. We don't have to cry because we're Christians. So we know it's yeah, I mean, we're human the last time I checked. But the tears come from, from, from what? what? What what was it that, because it, it feels like Oxford and you, you, your development of your faith. Yeah, and, and you know, Robbie's someone that I never met. I knew his, I know his team, um, and I know some of those who are around him, but you know, for me as a Christian, I always had the heart for Jesus Christ that I got at a very young age. Um, I was saved when I was, you know, in my teens. But to have someone who, from an academic place, as an apologist, could equip you with those arguments where you didn't have to check your brain at the door when you became a Christian, where there is intellectual foundation for everything we believe. Right. There's prophecy, there's the human cell, there's the amazing creation of the human body and all of its complexity and the planet, the universe. And he put a philosophical and academic rationale for the heart that I had for Christ, but gave me the ability to go 
to Oxford, where there are renowned atheist scholars who try to say there's, there's no intellectual undergirding for Christianity. Ravi Zacharias, who happened to have an office at Oxford, uh, was the person who provided the counter to that. Um, the, the intelligence behind why we believe what we believe. And, you know, your mind can never get you fully there. Uh, it's a place only your heart can take you. But Ravi Zacharias provided those steps to um, put in the minds of an academic, wow, I, sh I should give the Christian faith some thought. And, you know, Ravi, he means so much. As I was saying earlier, you know, Billy Graham was the great evangelist. Ravi Zacharias is a great apologist. And, you know, I think the words... Um, that were at the very bottom of the announcement today of his passing are, are so important. He had a verse there and it said, because I live, you also will live, John 14, 19. And they said that these seven words changed Ravi's life 57 years ago. Um, he was on a bed of suicide as he described it. And it was a Bible that was handed to him and those words in particular that set him on a 57 year path that has truly saved lives. I, um, on Sunday, watched a sermon knowing, you know, Ravi was in a tough spot and um, was no longer getting treatment. So my, I had my daughter on my lap and so we were watching that. the sermon, yeah, with of Ravi and my husband was there, my mother-in-law was there. Um, and it was a sermon about purpose and it was a sermon about how every human life has a purpose you are here for a reason every life matters and it's about finding that purpose and um, just hearing him speak and hearing those words was so meaningful not often you see uh, someone you know shed some tears on television but Kaylee McEnany with a raw emotional moment right there uh, really for all the world to see uh, so uh, you, you got to give her some, some props for being authentic and I tell you what she sure is authentic and the media can't stand her and let's be honest, okay, the media can't stand her because she is a conservative woman, woman who backs Donald Trump and does so with abandon. We're back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, time for, I always have to look for it, the last sip. A political correctness running a muck in this country. We know that. There's nothing breaking news uh, about that at all. But how about what's going on in San Francisco? Have you heard about this? Uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, the, the school there, the, the school named after Abraham Lincoln. Uh, yeah, the committee in San Francisco's United School District is recommending changing the name of the Abraham Lincoln High School because he alleges he, being the head of the committee, uh, alleges that uh, Lincoln didn't prove black lives matter huh this is what the uh chairman of the renaming committee and first grade teacher says uh, jeremiah jeffries he says lincoln like the presidents before him and most after did not show through policy or rhetoric that black lives ever mattered to them outside of human capital and as casualties of wealth building uh f <laughs> folks uh so let me get this straight Abraham Lincoln doesn't care about black lives. So uh, I have a few issues with that. I'm starting with, uh, I don't know, kind of like the Emancipation Proclamation. But listen, I don't want to find out. I, I don't want to be the one to comment on this. I mean, I think Abraham Lincoln 
uh, should comment on this. And so we have Abe with us uh, in studio. Abe, what's the uh, sense there? Abe Lincoln, clearly not in a mood for talking. I believe it's just no comment from Abe Lincoln, which would make sense because he's been uh, dead for over 150 years. Uh, But also the San Francisco Unified School District, uh, they want to not just get rid of uh, Abraham Lincoln, that school. They want to get rid of the Herbert Hoover Middle School because Herbert Hoover was a racist. Uh, Roosevelt Middle School because, oh, I don't know, FDR and internment camps in the Japanese Thomas Edison, they want to get rid of the Thomas Edison Charter Academy uh, in San Francisco. Why? Well, because apparently Thomas Edison electrocuted animals. Anyhow, I say we do this. I say we start some new schools like the AOC Liberal Indoctrination Elementary School. Or how about this one? I I like this name, the Joe Biden, I think this is middle school. Uh, I think that's a good one. And of course, what about uh, the George Washington Bridge? We've got to get rid of that, George Washington. So we'll just call it the steel structure uh, that connects New York to New Jersey. So I think that's the way we should do it here at the water cooler. As a matter of fact, I'm going to start a petition. Madison, are you going to sign that petition? Madison will sign the petition. Parker and everybody, the crew will do. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, we'll try to get him to talk later. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody.